Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week are my fantastic co-hosts, Liz and Joe. I'm just going to throw this out here up front. Yes, we are going to talk about the thing that happened today. We're going to talk about it near the end of the story so we can talk about things that are not horrible for a little bit. Um, Just that's as a heads up. That's a warning. Just so people know, we're going to discuss it. (sighs) I would have liked to have gotten like two weeks in a row of not having to talk about it, but hey, can't have that. So let's get into this. Uh, First up, uh, this is something that Liz actually had to remind me of because so much stuff has been going on. It's WoW's uh, 17th anniversary on the 23rd of this month, and currently the event's live. Um, I believe it's Doomwalker this year. I have not actually gotten a chance to do it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So so he's a new guy. Yep. And uh, no, Good you robot. go to Tenaris and you and you kill him and you might get a mount. Isn't the mount like unique now? Like, I mean, a hundred percent chance it was hot fixed. Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent chance. But what I don't know is it a hundred percent chance for everyone or just a hundred percent chance he'll drop it and someone gets it. Okay, that's a good point. I don't know either, obviously. Yeah, I haven't I haven't had a chance to go try and kill him, so I do not know. Yeah, that's that's hey. going on. So if you are you know currently subscribed to WoW and you want to go in and kill Doomwalker and, and get a cool mount, or at least get a shot at one, uh, that's available. Um, 17th anniversary, just it feels like a milestone. We got the patch 9.2, uh, I want to say announcement trailer? I, I don't really know. Yeah. The teaser? A I don't preview? know. Teaser? Teaser, teaser I think would be more accurate, yeah. But we got that last week as well. Um, and there's actually a fair amount in it. Like we, we now know that the last patch of the game will be patch 9.2. That was something that was very much up in the air. We, we well, had no idea. Did we not last patch? We know last story patch for last sure. last patch of this expansion in terms of story. There there might be a nine point two point five. There might be a you know the the next. There might be one of those pre expansion patches with new stuff in it. But this will be the last major storyline patch. This is this is the last raid. This is the conclusion of the Shadowlands story. Uh, it takes us to Zareth Mortis, which we kind of knew was going to be happening. We've, we've had hints about that in Corthia, and we had hints about that in the Sanctum of Domination raid. We're chasing after the Jailer to, to stop him from, I'm not entirely sure, but something. It's not good, whatever it is. Um, and in the raid that we're going to f- have at the uh, the Sepulchre of the First Ones, we know that Anduin's going to be a boss. He's going to be like the eighth boss. I think he's going to be yeah. the end of the first week that the raid is out which will be like the week after the, the patch drops. Uh, the, the raid will not be open the first week of the patch. The next week, the normal and heroic will go up to, to boss eight, I think. Or is it yeah. just normal goes up to boss eight, and then the next week, heroic and mythic come out. I can't remember which. I know we talked about this. But at any rate, they're not doing the mythic to all the bosses until mythic opens, so that mythic world first raids guilds will not be able to like just clear it on normal and get a sense of the mechanics and then go in and do it again on mythic. They're gonna have to try and learn it as it goes. That's a thing. Um, <laughs> there's a, really a lot to it. I, I what do you, I'm gonna ask? What do you guys? Let's we'll start with Liz. What's your favorite thing from the 9.2 so far that you've seen? Well, I mean, I think this has gotten a lot of criticism, but I like I like the look of the new zone and the idea behind it that we're going to this totally new alien place where like we don't even speak the language and we'll be we'll have to like learn the language and learn, you know, how to even communicate with these strange creatures. Um 
I, I have heard a lot of flack about it, and I think that's because Blizzard designed it as like this completely alien place, and there are floating trees, and there's water you can walk on, and I think everyone, myself included, was kind of like, uh, I think I've done that before, all of that. Uh, but I, I think it looks like an interesting place. I think the art is gorgeous. And I, I'm very curious where the lore is going. We're kind of in this workshop of the first ones where they, you know, kind of test drove all of their ideas. And I think that's potentially really cool, really interesting. Okay, Joe? Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about it already. I I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be rather large. And we talked about this on Lore Watch, too. Like, it looks like it's not just, like, one zone it looks like it's a zone with like multiple different biomes. Uh, it looks like there's a lot of really cool uh, immersion, I guess would be the best way to put it. Like I, I really like what they showed us with the uh, little robot friend uh, that you get to go around and learn the language of the first one so that you can talk with the automata automa. I I'm going to get that wrong forever. I'm just going <laughs> to flat out say that I apologize for all future podcasts because it's going to be a million different ways. I'm saying that, uh, but I like, I think that's a really cool idea. I like the idea that we're trying to win them over to our side so that they know that we're not the enemy. Uh, and then we go after the jailer. And I think that's really cool. Uh, and I like the idea of just this sort of like primordial engine space where things get, you know, created. So I think it's, I think it's neat. I think there's some really cool stuff potentially coming here. Uh, and I think it shows the commitment that the people making the game themselves have to trying to find new and interesting things for us to do with a game that is aging at this point. Like, I mean, we've we're, we've spent almost two decades playing this game. Uh, and so like stuff like this, it, it, you know, some people are saying, oh, it's just another it's another Shadowland zone. For me, it's like they're still trying to do something new and different, and they're still trying to explore things and figure out the design space for a game that's going to be moving forward in possibly new and interesting directions, including the fact that we have confirmation from Steve Denauser that, hey, we uh, we have stuff planned for after this. So, uh, And Alora for real, uh, I can't tell if that's a weird comment on what I'm saying or if you just wanted to make a... a a snarky comment on that, but like the water aspect I thought was cool. And we talked about this on, on lore watch, not because it was water. Uh, but I like the idea of it being sort of like an entire zone where the water is a division between another plane of existence, where there's other things going on underneath. I actually think that's kind of neat. Um, it, it shows depth at least a little bit. But I'm pumped. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. But yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that too. Uh, I'm also looking forward to the, the the fact that they seem to understand that Sylvanas cannot actually make up for what she did. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting statement. Um, that, you know, there will be a confrontation with Taronda and she can't really there's no not gonna be any forgiveness. There's no forgiveness here. You can't have it because you can't be forgiven for this. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, but today also we had a couple of, of news announcements that that probably would have been huge, big breaking news in any other universe. Um, <laughs> first off is the fact that, as you might notice if you're watching the stream live, the WoW Classic uh, Seasons of Mastery is up today. Uh, I'm currently standing there on it on a level two uh, Night of Warrior. Um, I didn't get much chance to do anything there, but the the experience is a little faster. The quests give, give about 40% more XP. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes when I get up to a point where I can interact more with it. Like for instance, leave the tree 
Cause really everybody get off the tree. Don't stay on this tree. It's not, I know you think this tree will be around for a while. Trust me. I've seen things, but um, I, I am, I'm really excited about the season of mastery. I think it's a really cool idea for people who don't know. Basically it's kind of like Diablo seasons and that you, you start on a server that everything on the server is, is brand new. It's like this server just started. There's, there's, there's no level 60s on it. There's no gold in the economy yet. There's no, almost nothing in the auction house. And it's it's all restarted. And they've deliberately set up the phases for content release so that hopefully they'll all be out by the end of a year. So by November of 2022, we'll be looking at the last content phase for, for this Seasons of Mastery, the Season of Mastery. And I think that's interesting. I think the faster level is interesting. I think that they've put in a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm interested in doing, but we've talked about all that stuff already. So instead, what I'm going to talk about is like, did you guys know that they put the, the PP, PVB content into phase one instead of phase three and four? Huh. I didn't know that until I read the article you wrote about it. Yeah. Cause I didn't know it. I mean, I, I <laughs> guess they, they, they mentioned it in their post, but I think a lot of people just skipped over it, but yeah, their, their, their battlegrounds and honor system is, is live. Like this, they're already up. None of that waiting for like for phases three and four. Pretty much every every other phase is the same, but the PvP is right away, and that's interesting to me. Um, I don't remember if you could level in battlegrounds. Uh, yes, because that yeah. was that was a thing that uh used to be a term for it that I will not repeat because it is a derogatory term. Um, but yeah, that was a thing. I remember that they made it so you couldn't level in them. Like you could you could turn off XP gain if you wanted to stay in a bracket. I remember that. Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't remember if you could level in them this early, because that's something I might actually try and do. I mean, that's interesting to me because it would mean, like, you know, getting to play a different way than I usually do. I don't PvP very much anymore. I haven't PvP'd much since Burning Crusade, and so going back to WoW Classic and trying to PvP there, I might enjoy it or I might hate it because if it's anything like the PvP grind used to be, I, I won't like it. But we'll we'll see what happens. I, I am interested in that kind of thing. And that's an interesting change. They've been making changes. They've, they've changed a lot of the boss fights and all that. But that PvP change is one I didn't know about. Uh, either of you have anything else to say about the Season of Mastery before we move on to the Hearthstone announcement? It's honestly the first time I've been interested in actually going onto a WoW Classic server. So, like, cool. because I, I kind of, like, the PvP stuff is really interesting to me. I remember grinding to Grand Marshal. I wouldn't mind maybe doing that again. Liz? I don't think Classic is my thing, but I think this is really interesting. I think it's a really cool way to keep Classic relevant for players who still prefer that version of the game, that style of gameplay, but they've played it all out and they still want they still want things to do. Yeah, I, I wonder if we'll eventually see like, you know, another season of Mastery down the road if they'll start doing like one a year, if they'll bring the concept to the retail game. I mean, I, there's a lot of possibilities that I'm interested in, but I do also want to talk about the Fractures of Alterac Valley expansion for Hearthstone because that that was announced today too. I'm really sorry Hearthstone team. I know you worked really hard <laughs> on it. I mean, same for you uh, uh WoW Classic team. I know you guys were working really hard and I, this must be really awful. And I'm really sorry. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about um, Fractures of Alderac Valley. Liz, what the heck is going on in this expansion? Because I do not understand it. <laughs> hey, Liz, just tell us all about this thing when you were out gonna, all afternoon and I'll, haven't even read the article about it I'm yet. I'm going to be um, asking you questions. Don't worry. I'm not okay. going anywhere. <laughs> um, so I, the thing about Hearthstone is they have really consistent releases. 
They do three expansions a year. They have these uh, seasons. Each year has its own name. Um, I think is now now is year of the Griffin. And um, I mean, this is just really normal for them to do three expansions a year. And you know, I'm I'm honestly a little bored of them because it's like an expansion, and there are new cards, and it's an expansion, there are new cards. Right now, they're doing something that I think is kind of interesting in that this year has like a pretty coherent story and they've done that before but they don't do it every time if that makes sense like first we had a horde expansion and then we had an alliance expansion and now we have this uh alterac valley expansion where you know where the two are going to kind of meet in the middle um but really, the primary thing in an expansion is you usually get about 130 new cards that you can play in all kinds of constructed formats. This uh, expansion is going to bring back hero cards, which we haven't seen in a while. A hero card is basically you have a card that you play and it replaces your hero with a different hero. And uh, some of those can be really cool. I mean, some of them, they'll have a different hero power. Some of them will have special effects when you put them on the board. Uh, so those can be really interesting and really change kind of how you play when you have this hero in your deck that you can throw down, usually pretty late in the game. And because we've done all this Alliance and Horde stuff all year, you're going to have these Alliance heroes and these Horde heroes. And Hearthstone spent the whole year building stories with kind of original characters in this kind of alternate universe World of Warcraft that's a little different than the than the main Warcraft canon. And I think I think the storytelling this year has been really interesting because they they really created a version of Azeroth that is not Azeroth, but it's just it's like Azeroth, but like a little off. And uh, I really enjoyed it. But most of the storytelling they've done is in single player little adventures called the Book of Mercenaries that they've been rolling out. I think they've just completed the Book of Mercenaries run with uh, Book of Mercenaries Cariel came out last week or the week before. And those have been kind of the storytelling drive. The expansion itself, it's really just, okay, you're getting a bunch of new cards. You're going to get some hero cards. It's going to be really cool if you enjoy those constructed gameplay modes. Uh, I'm, I'm actually feeling kind of a little, a little down on the big expansions because I'm not feeling... The constructed format very much right now i really enjoy battlegrounds i kind of enjoy mercenaries and neither of those neither of those were really impacted by this so i'm kind of eh, whatever but that's just me it's it's a cool idea i thought the objectives thing was kind of interesting the, uh, the yeah. kind of like a spell but it, it lasts for like three rounds but it's way stronger than normal stuff so to kind of balance out the fact that it only like lasts for three turns so i mean it it seems a little like quests because you have quests in Hearthstone that you can put down and they have an effect over time or an effect later. There are like quest cards and there are side quest cards that will both give you kind of like little objectives, which is, which is interesting. Okay. It's one of the Hearthstone thing to mention really fast. This one's for battlegrounds. Yeah. Uh, there's going to have an armor system. Uh, I saw Ooh. Phil write about it today for the site. I didn't get much of a chance to read it, but what is going on with this? Like the your your sm- your weaker heroes get buffed by this armor system? Um, honestly, I I don't understand this one yet. I haven't really looked at it. So you're you're asking me questions, and I basically know nothing. 
Okay, that's well. That's where I am too. So, uh, yeah. There's a post on the site. Phil wrote it. If Phil were here, he could probably explain it to us. But in the meantime, I think that's pretty cool that they're trying to make it so that you can buff your characters for uh, battlegrounds. The the problem with battlegrounds, if you want to call it a problem, is whenever you go into battlegrounds, you're given a choice. You don't just pick who you play. You're given a choice of two heroes randomly, and you go and you pick your hero, and then you play. And you just have, like, two of the dozens of heroes available. And sometimes that's not very good. Sometimes you don't get a very good hero. Sometimes you don't get a hero you feel like playing. Um, and they really tried. They've tried to balance all the heroes, but some of them are definitely still better than others. And some of them are more fun than others. Um, so, yes, this seems to be an attempt to kind of balance that out. I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. Okay. I, I think yeah. that we're basically in the same place on that. Uh, it's just been one of the things that I wanted to try to watch for because, you know, I don't enough attention to Hearthstone, but we've been trying. So there you go. That, that <laughs> happened. And now <sighs> I've dithered as long as I possibly uh. can. Okay. Do either of you want to take this or do you want me to start and intro it? And then you can talk about it. I think we'll go with that one because why, why make you guys have to try and sum this mess up? Like I said, today we were getting all sorts of wow news. We were getting the Seasons of Mastery was going live, and everybody was excited about that. Hearthstone was making their announcement for their, their Fractures of Alterac, Fractured and Alterac Valley expansion, and everyone was excited for that. And then, of course, uh, CEO Bobby Kotick drops a really weird video that he sends out to the employees, and the transcript is up actually on Blizzard's official site, talking about you know how committed he is to making an inclusive uh, workplace and and how you know there's going to be stories in the media that that will be like biased and and not not reflect the the whole situation and of course that was because the Wall Street Journal was about to publish an article that certainly um, wasn't very favorable uh, as to Bobby Kotick and his role in the past several months at Activision Blizzard uh, I I I I'm always like. I'm always on the line about how much to talk about it in terms of how to explain it. Like, do I introduce the whole thing over again? Do I start with the California mm. department of fair and Employment housing? To. I'm going to just say this. We, we all remember the department of, of fair housing uh, and employment lawsuit that happened. Uh, we all remember that, that Activision Blizzard was being investigated by the SEC for not telling their investors what was going on with that lawsuit. We all remember that Bobby Kotick told, acted like he didn't know a heck of a lot about the situation over at Blizzard. The Wall Street Journal article makes that seem very unlikely. Mm -hmm. That is the, the best way I can think of to put it. Among the things that were revealed in the article, one is that Jen O'Neill left after she, she decided to quit after a month as co-leader because she felt like they were tokenizing her and they weren't even paying her as much as her other co-leader. So that's the first thing that's in this article that Jen O'Neill was out by the end of a month that she did not believe that the Activision Blizzard executives wanted to do what was necessary. They weren't to committed to making an actionable change. Yes, that is, that is exactly how she put it. Um, that's just, that's not even close to like, um, one of the other things we found out was that one of the, the co-heads of Treyarch, the studio that does the Call of Duty games for Activision, uh, Dan Bunting, was apparently accused of sexual harassment and worse by by someone. And Activision's HR department investigated this. And Activision's HR department recommended he be fired. And Bobby Kotick decided to stop this. 
and he overruled them and and Dan Bunting was allowed to stay at Activision and he he got he got counseling and this was all swept under the rug and until just now we we, we you know so he got fired this afternoon by the way yeah we don't even know if he got fired because they said he left after the journal contacted hey, him mm, I'm pretty sure he got yeah probably but the point is that there's no transparency there of course not. Um, was he, you know, and, and he wasn't one of the employees who was fired last month when, when Activision Blizzard was trumpeting that they dismissed up to 20 employees. He was still working there until the journal contacted him. So that's, that's there. Uh, we also found out that, do you remember the letter that, that um, Executive Vice President uh, Francis Townsend wrote, the one that caused a, a practical worker revolt at Blizzard yeah. and had people like walk out? She didn't write it. Bobby Kotick wrote it. <laughs> and then he had her send Wonderful. it. Yeah. So these are the kind of things that appeared in that article. And uh, there, there's a quote from from Bobby Kotick from from his his response video, where he said, "Anyone who doubts my conviction to make this company a a, a, a better and more diverse and more inclusive workplace doesn't understand how important this is to me." And um, in the, uh, I'm going to turn this over to Joe and, and Liz in a second, but I'm going to say that in the post I wrote responding to this, I mean, because, you know, it's our job, we have to talk about this. I made the point that people aren't mind readers. We, we determine people's commitment to things, their conviction on how important those things are by their actions. And these are not the actions of someone who is committed to any of this. <sighs> Which one of you wants to go first? I don't Great. know that I have anything to say about this. Blech. I got something to say. And then we get Joe, we go get, ahead. We get one per episode to maintain our PG-13 rating. <laughs> Fuck you, Bobby Kotick. Seriously. My entire life, I've grown up and been told that words, not deeds, that my actions are what tell people and show people what I'm actually about, that I could sit there and say all of the pretty words that I want and placate everybody as much as I want. But at the end of the day, if I don't get off of my rear and actually make good on the things that I'm saying, actually take those actions, actually show people what I'm about, then how in the hell are they supposed to know? But hey, maybe I'm just not rich enough to get away with not being able to, you know, put my money where my mouth is. You, sir, are, are disgusting. And I don't care if this gets me on a blacklist for the rest of my life. But you know what? Reti resign. Retire. Take your take your ball and go home. People like you are why this industry is shit when it comes to being a worker there. People like you are, are, are the reason why employees get treated terrible, have nervous breakdowns, feel like they're not good enough, or worse, are assaulted, have PTSD and mental breakdowns as a result of things that you uh, very clearly condone and act in. I doubt your conviction to anything other than your paycheck. And I hope that the board of directors, which I know probably won't do anything unless... Uh, the, the lawsuit comes to mind that you showed a, a clear and present uh, danger to their bottom line. will do anything about it. I hope they do do something about it. You don't deserve to have anybody's respect at this point. You don't deserve to have anybody call you boss. You don't deserve to be in charge of dressing yourself in the damn morning. Because very clearly, you probably can't be trusted in that. And who knows who you've assaulted in the time between you woke up and the time you got dressed. Go away. I'm tired. I'm tired of watching good people suffer because of your inactivity, because of your good intentions. The only intention you have is to sweep everything under the rug and make sure that you get paid. And if this blacklists me, so be it. But you know what? That's how I feel. I'm just tired. 
I am so bloody tired. And maybe it's because of who I am and how I've had to scrap for every tiny bit of what I have. And the fact that I have dealt with people like you in the past, and it makes my skin crawl. Stop ruining things that we enjoy because you are a garbage human being. Do the right thing. Walk away. Be ready to bleep some of that when you actually do the recording. Nope. Okay. There goes that PG-13 rating. Nope. We are still good because I only use one F-bomb. You said, mm. you sure about that? Yeah, whatever. I whatever. I think you said some others, but regardless, um, while Joe said it a lot more aggressively than I would, because I am by nature pretty conciliatory, which people never believe, but it's true. <laughs> I don't disagree with what he said. Um, I don't see a way forward for Activision Blizzard with, with Bobby Kotick as its CEO, um, because <sighs> I'm just going to say this, the stuff that's coming out means there is more stuff to come out yeah the tip of the iceberg um, when when we get stories like i'll just talk about this one uh one of the lawsuits that bobby Kotick has settled over the years was that he he called a a woman a woman who was working for him as an assistant and threatened to have her killed now did he mean it probably not but a lot of women will tell you that it's really exhausting to try and do the mental calculus on, is this person seriously actually going to try to kill me? Or are they just being hyperbolic when it is so prevalent, when there are so many times that women and marginalized people are harassed and abused and threatened. When you have a situation like that, then that's just one of several that has been brought up there. There's the other lawsuit that he actually settled for $200,000 with a, a employee of his who worked on his plane. Um, that he settled the lawsuit with her for $200,000, but then he failed to pay his lawyers who then got a $900,000 judgment against him. So that's one of those things where you look at it and go, okay, he managed to pull off the sweeping and under the rug thing to a degree, but then he so mishandled it that he ended up having to pay four times more to the people who were supposed to be helping him because he wouldn't pay them. That is, that is like, what, what are you doing? Um, that this is, I, I, back last month, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, even though I don't <laughs> particularly like him. I don't like Bobby Kotick. I never have, uh, but I was willing to say, maybe he means it this time. Maybe he's learned his lesson. And then this comes out and I'm like, yeah, Matt, you're a naive, you're a naive person. You are a fool. And you've been taken yet again for a fool because you were willing to, to accept maybe this time he would change. No, I don't see a way forward with him there. I mean, here's here's the thing from my perspective is that both of y'all are being kind of naive if we're saying there's no way forward with Bobby Kotick here because we get rid of Bobby Kotick and there's going to be 10 more Bobby Kotick's under Bobby Kotick that we just don't know their names that are starting shit and doing these things and have been protected for years or decades. There are more of them. There are they fired, what, 20 people, 30 people? There are more of them that yeah, are still I, there, and they're going to keep doing this stuff. Yeah, like we just found out that they, you know, when, during their, their firing, they didn't fire Dan Bunting. You know, he was still working there. He, the only reason he's gone is because they caught him. So what is the way forward? We fire Bobby Kotick. That doesn't solve the problem because there is clearly a massive culture where this is not only been allowed to flourish and accepted it's been encouraged it's been protected by high level executives 
explicitly stepping in and saying, no, you can't fire this guy for sexual misconduct. He's not that bad. And I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't think there's a way, I don't know what the way forward is. I don't know what the way forward is without Bobby Kotick because you still have more of those people who have been protecting people who have been enabling all of this on such a large scale. So I don't think we can say there's no way forward with Bobby Kotick because I don't know what the way forward is without Bobby Kotick. And that's fair. That is absolutely like, a fair statement. I one of the things you said in your post map that I think really uh, fits the bill is that the surprising thing about all of this is how completely unsurprising it is. Like mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. I'm just dead inside because you know this is all completely predictable. We've seen it before. It's happened before. It's going to happen again. And I I don't know what the way forward for the entire gaming industry is because this is everywhere. Yeah, when when you point a woman as head of your co-head of a studio and she decides to quit within 30 days because you're doing the same stuff to her that you're being sued over. You know, you're yeah. not, not even paying her equivalent to the other person that you put in the job with her. And I'm also going to say this, because this is something I said at the time, but I don't think people really took it to heart. Mike Ybarra has never headed a studio. Nope. Jen O'Neill headed a studio for a decade. A very successful one. Yeah. I mean, you may not like Vicarious Visions because it mostly does remasters, but it thrived. It it does, it does really good remasters. And it thrived for a decade under her leadership, you know, and that's the person that you shortchange. That's the person that you drive out. What does that say about the company? She couldn't, she couldn't stay a month without, without coming to the conclusion that you didn't mean it. I guess so, there is you know, a- everything Liz is saying, I don't have an answer to it. I can't argue that you're, that you're wrong. I can't, you know, but I do think we still need to get rid of Bobby Kotick, but I don't know what happens after that. I don't know how many people we need to get rid of or how I mean- you would do it. Yeah, the board has already issued a statement of support of Kotick, and um, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if there's a way to get rid of him because the board still supports him. Because even this investigation by the SEC, even lawsuits from the shareholders, even the stock price going down has not been enough to get him to push him out of this. So I'm not sure what is going to be enough. Uh, the board, the shareholders, they're always going to chase the money, but now we see the stock dropping. We see shareholders questioning what's going on and we still don't see any movement here. Um, I do think getting rid of Kodak would be a great step towards actually making something change. But even that, even getting rid of the CEO of the company, that is a first step. That is not major progress. That's a first step. I agree. So yeah, that's what happened today that we were really, really not looking forward to talking about for obvious reasons. Because not only is nothing we're seeing here surprising, you know, people sometimes say like, well, how come you keep talking about this negative stuff? How come you're being so negative? You think we want to talk about this? I wish I could. I wish I could never talk about this again. I wish I'd never had to see Bobby Kotick's smug face splattered over the internet on all of these headlines and ugh. I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it. Yeah. I, if, if Bobby Kotick had actually done the things he said he was going to do, if he'd actually taken it seriously, I, I would have been the first one to be, you know, okay, he did, you know, sure, it all sucked, but he did step up, but he didn't step up. 
He he did what they've been doing from the beginning, what they've been doing for years now. They delay, they obfuscate, and they deflect. And they hope that the memory yeah. of the gamer is short enough that they won't remember. Or that they won't focus it properly. Um, that they'll, they'll be up so upset about something trivial that they won't focus on what's actually happening. I, I think they they do that because it works. Because yes. it has always worked. And that's the reason. They've that, always been... Yeah, they've always been able to quash this, but yeah, if you look at like the 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 situation, uh, the things that they're coming out in the Wall Street Journal article, like it, you see repeatedly the same things. The Treyarch situation just swept under the rug. Um, Dan Bunting just allowed to work, keep working there because he made Call of Duty games and they made money, and that was all that mattered. Um, and the, like the path to a safer workplace for people. Uh, you know, hope, I do think it requires the removal of Bobby Kotick. That's absolutely a given. Um, but I don't think it's going to fix everything. Um, the very fact that people like Jen O'Neill leave, mm-hmm. that's really bad because that's the kind of person that you could put, if you actually were willing to empower them, you could put them in a position where they could make positive change. While, instead while understanding what it means like to run a studio and make it successful. Like yep. you, you had an ace in the hole there and you, you, let, you just, you, you, it's the maladroitness of all of this. Yeah. It's the fact that they've never had to be good at it. They've never had yeah. to be good leaders because they've always been able to brute force the situation to their to their desires. And now they're in a situation where it's not as easy to brute force it because the people you're trying to brute force are bigger than you. Like California is big enough to fight Activision Blizzard. The United States Securities and Exchange Commission is very much big enough to fight Activision Blizzard. You cannot just walk in and and demand everything go your way. You kind of have to have some finesse. These people are not showing you. Know, I am a schmuck who writes about video games. I have never worked in a corporate job in my life bigger than an AOL employee. I, I am not good at any of this. And I know that you pay your lawyer. You do not short your lawyer. The lawyer knows everything you did. They're your lawyer. Mm-hmm. You do not short the lawyer. Like, oh my God, that is such a rookie thing to do. That even I, who, as I pointed out, I am a schmuck whose entire experience for corporate worlds is like, I worked for AOL as a, as a contract employee for a couple of years, knows that. Like, I, I think, you know, we've said the, this word a few times, but I'm still going to bleep it. But I'm like, if you're trying to sleep to sweep bleep under the rug, you use a broom. You don't just try to do it with your hands. At least, at least, if you're going to be evil, be functionally competent. And we're, we never, keep seeing this over and over again. We've seen this over the past four years in other contexts. These people are not functionally competent. They've never had to be. It's they've never had to be competent to make thing to make things go their way. So no, they're still. It's unsurprising, but this this is how it's always been, and it's not surprising at all. It's not surprising that they're doing a very bad job at covering things up and sweeping things under the rug because they've never been competent, never had to be competent. Yeah, but at this point, I'm going to say we should probably move on. There's a few minutes left in this podcast, and we might actually get to something where we enjoy talking about, as opposed to this. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to move on to some emails now and other questions. Uh, if you have a question for the show, uh, please remember to, you, first up, you can email it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, subject line with, you know, podcast or Blizzard Watch in it so we know it's for the show. Um, there's one email here I'm pretty sure I stole from Joe, but I didn't intend to. 
No. But then I realized afterwards it you did. might have been a Joe thing. Cause you didn't you didn't put a subject line in. I had no idea what it was for. It's all good. Um, but if you don't want to hit us with the emails, you can go to our Discord server. There's the patron Q and podcast questions channel, which we look at first because patrons are what keep the lights on and keep the site going. And we're going to talk more about that in a bit. Um, or you can go to our Q questions channel. Uh, we do understand that some people just can't be patrons and we do still want to hear from you and still want to look at your questions. Um, I'm going to ask Joe to read the first one here. If you don't sure. mind, Joe, not at all. Hi, watchers. Easy target here. I'm going to throw this one out there, expanding on the whole Maldrax. This is a corpse idea. Maybe all the zones are corpses. Matt hit on that one. Let's take it to the one possible conclusion. Are all the zones corpses of the first ones? And if so, could it be that Zoval is the one that killed them? And that is why he was punished by his siblings. Now for wild speculation. The mall was the control center for the whole thing. The first ones were dreaming or otherwise using their powers to create the Shadowlands in a link to the material world. And Zaval went all hell 9,000 on them. Alun was working on a life uh, on the life side. And when it all went down, uh, thanks for reading. Wish uh, we all had more Bwam Samdi in there uh, as this is really his jam. What do you, what do you think? I mean, we do have some Bon Samdi. Uh, he's he's in the uh, Arden Wills. Uh, night, the Night Fae stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, this should have been a whole expansion of Bon Samdi, and we did not get a whole expansion of Bon Samdi, for which I am very disappointed. I think Alex Desert is a very good voice actor and, and an actor, for that matter, and I, I like him quite a lot. So the fact that I despise Bon Samdi and I'm really glad I didn't have to see any of it hurts me personally. <laughs> but man, I'm tired of that guy. Didn't like him. That dungeon he shows up in is really aggressively painful for me. That being said, if you like Bon Samdi, cool. Uh, you know, he, I, hopefully you'll get more of him where I can't see it. Uh, but regardless, I don't think the timing works for Zoval having killed them. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. I don't think if Zoval killed them, then the the everybody would just know where the sepulchre of the first ones was, and there wouldn't be so much. I mean, it kind of makes sense with the sigils, like the the fact that their sigils are required to unlock the sepulchre and, and get to it at all. But that implies that Zoval's sigil was one of the sigils needed to get there. And that implies that they were dead before Zoval was the Arbiter. Because otherwise, you know, he wouldn't have had the sigil to get to the Sepulchre because they wouldn't have been dead yet. They would have had to build that after he killed them. Um, so I don't know if the timing works, but I do like the idea that possibly all of these zones are in fact essentially like the corpses of you know, the first ones in some fashion. Much like we saw the, uh, the Titans died uh, you know, when they were fighting with uh, Sargeras, but they left their bodies behind on that planet, you know, basically on that planet where they died. That's interesting to me. The fact that they, they might've actually left their, their corporeal remains and the, you know, various eternal ones may have showed up after and started essentially doing what the first ones themselves did, you know, controlling the area. Like, was it, um, Denathrius says, I am Revendreth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he basically, through him, he can control Revendreth. He he shapes it. He directs it. Maybe he's relying on the you know the the, the nature of the place, and that's why it served. It, it was originally doing that for the first ones, and then when they died, you know, it was left empty. And when the Eternal One showed up, it responded to them because they were strong enough to direct it, but perhaps not as strong as the first ones, so it wasn't perfect. I don't know. Uh, it is certainly an interesting idea. We we Zoval is constantly ranting about how the place is like he he is. It's their design that he finds faulty. If what was it we talked about? 
the idea was that perhaps this was all on purpose. Like the first ones weren't killed. They knew that this yep. would happen to them and they did it to create, you know, the cosmos as we now see it. There's that whole bit about Elune and the Naru in the ordering of Azeroth uh, bit in, in Chronicle one. We know that Chronicle is meant to be written from, from distinct author perspectives. It's not meant to be taken as, as absolutely the word of the developers canon, but it is, Interesting to think about the idea that when the cosmos was created and ordered, the first one sacrificed something before it. Like perhaps the Shadowlands is the remains. It's the it's literally the corpse of what came before. Of of like imagine if the Big Bang happens, but what's left there's a little burnt out husk somewhere left behind by the formate the birth of the cosmos. The previous cosmos dies. Like the Phoenix dies and rebirths from the ashes and becomes, you know, there's the new Phoenix. That's one possibility there. there there's a, it's an interesting thing to think about. I don't know that I have a, an idea for sure what happened. Yeah. I don't know. Like I've, I've given a lot of speculation and about this over the course of several lore watches, especially the last one. We talked about it a lot this week, uh, especially with all the 9.2 reveals. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting because we're going to finally find out what happened. Like that's kind of the whole point of 9.2. Right. Um, so I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be interesting, but I don't know that. I think that it's going to be very clear that Zavald did not kill the first ones. I think that the sin was literally trying to take over for the first ones. Cause that's what he's doing, right? He's, he's trying to get to the forts. He's trying to rewrite all of reality, uh, and then try to make everything serve him, which is a weird statement. But at the end of the day, he's literally trying to become on par with the first one. So I think that is the greatest sin is they were, they were designed to do something specific. He wants to do something other than that. And yeah, no good. All right. That's all I got on that one. <laughs> Liz, you want to add anything? Lore is not really my thing. You want to explain how this is going to play out in the Hearthstone expansion? <laughs> um. Wow. Yeah, that one's be that one's beyond me. That one's. I mean, I guess you pointed out that Denathrius makes that comment that I am Revendreth, and um, what's her name? Chris, Chrysaria, Chrysanthia, the head of uh, the head of Bastion, the head of the Kyrians. Oh, the Archon, Kyrestria. Yeah, yes. Kyrestria. Kyrestria. I mean, there was a comment that she makes, like, it was a bug. There was a bug where you could kill her in the dungeon. Yeah. And uh, she made this comment that as I die, Bastion dies with me. They're all tied to these zones in some way. Yeah, Ardenwald, you get the very clear, like, distinction of that from the Winter Queen as you're doing it. She says the exact same. So, yeah, it is, oh. there's, a, there's a feasibility to it, but I don't know exactly what the, the truth of it is. Right, uh, Liz, do you mind reading the next one then? Okay, dear watchers, seeing as these days more and more games are getting VR ports, I was wondering what you think of Blizzard adding a VR port to WoW and how you think the best way to implement it would be. Cheers, Ryan. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those people who's not super into VR. But, like, I'm pretty happy to, to play WoW at my computer and I'm not sure... It would be interesting to, you know, put on your VR headset and all of a sudden you're like actually in the middle of Darkshire being chased by stitches. And I mean, that could be that could be really cool. 
But then WoW's art style has always been kind of cartoony, and I don't know. Like, it's pleasant to see on a monitor, but I wonder how, like, if it would ever actually feel very immersive, because it does have that sort of exaggerated cartooniness to it. I think it'd be okay if they did something like, um, what is it, Soarin' California, or the thing that, like, Disney, where, you, like, you literally get into, like, almost like a 4D setup of, like, the, the chairlift that goes up and does the whole, like... Yeah, yeah. So, like, they if they designed... And I think, that's, I think that would be more the strength of WoW, is not necessarily a game that you play but an experience you go through and i think a lot of people forget that that is a a good aspect of vr uh vr augmented virtual reality as well uh they they do have a lot of really cool experiences where it's not necessarily a game you don't have to worry about controls it's just about being immersed in what you're seeing and i think like a tour of Azeroth or a tour of a tour of Draenor, uh, both versions, uh, you know, things like that could be really, really cool. And then you don't have to worry about things like the controls or uh, playing the entire game or doing a raid in VR. I think that would be a little bit much, especially for a game that we just mentioned is almost two decades old at this point. Uh, actually, no, with considering development time, it is roughly two decades old. Um, so, I mean, Trying to cram that into it is not always a great thing. I know that somebody's counter argument is going to be they're doing that with Resident Evil 4, but it is also a different experience than the game itself. And Resident Evil 4 is a single player game, uh, so you can take more liberties than something like an MMO, where if there's multiple people doing stuff, then figuring that out and how that looks and how you have to change the game to make it work for VR and that sort of response it could be a bit tricky, but I think if they were to like look at something like an experience or something you can go through and, and immerse yourself in, I think that'd be cool. Call me when they've got a way to plug me directly into it. So I can actually <laughs> just be in it and not like looking at it through a screen because the headsets they have for VR make me barf because I only have one working eye. And so you get a lot of not goodness in that. So yeah, let me know when we can plug ourselves directly in. Um, yeah, that would that would be good. But for, until then, I'm 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 not take it or leave it on VR. Joe, you're up next. All right, this one is set up a little bit uh, weirdly, but this is from uh, Flo Biolite, uh, who's a ret paladin on Proudmore. Cool name, actually. Uh, Blizzard Watch podcast. Liz, is it me or are some of the mercenary mode tasks in Hearthstone bugged? Like Tyrion's cast twelve divine shields or deal one hundred and ten holy damage. It took me to about 40 level 27s in Felwood to get the Divine Shield task done. The holy damage was hard, as most holy spells are defensive, healing, and don't do damage. Am I missing something? Also, what's up with uh, Mystery Spots having a portal to the final boss of the map when it's right before the last boss? Um, I just, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's buggy. I mean, I think Hearthstone Mercenary still, it's a little finicky. A lot of the tasks have been hard to finish. They've actually hotfixed some since it was released, some that were completely impossible to finish. And I have not tried the Tyrion quests you're talking about, but I would not be surprised if they're bugged because there have been bugs and they have had to go in and particularly fix um, fix some of these quests because they're either very difficult or they're impossible to do. So I think mercenaries really just as a whole needs a level of polish. And um, about the mystery spot, it's just coded to be completely random, and being completely random does not work in some cases. 
Uh, like I've had, uh, for, for anyone who has no idea what I'm talking about, when you're playing Hearthstone Mercenaries, you're put on this map and you can decide, okay, I'm going on this left path or this right path and you see different boss encounters or different random events. And the mystery spot is a random event. You choose to go down this path and do this random event. And it can be something really great, like it'll give you a quest that lets you earn coins, which are excellent because that's how you progress. Or it can be a bomb that I think the bomb is pretty useless. I don't like the bomb. Um, I, theoretically, you can use the bomb to destroy your enemies, but like 100% of the time I either try to ignore it or it destroys me. There's like no winning there. And as you have pointed out, sometimes the mystery spot can give you a portal which sends you to the last boss. But the mystery spot can potentially spawn right before the last boss and then give you a portal to send you to the last boss, in which case, why have I even done this? Um, so I think it's just, it's random. It's random and it has not been, like the code has not been smoothed out to make these like friction points go away. And I think the whole of mercenary mode needs like a good polish because there are there are lots of annoyances, there are lots of bugs, and it just it just needs it needs a once over to kind of smooth out all of these rough edges. Uh, so I don't think there's anything you're doing wrong. I don't think there's any confusion here, but some things are buggy. Okay, um, we've got one more email. Uh, I think we're gonna try and do it. So actually, there's two. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with the one that's got more content in it than the last one, which was just kind of a plaintive thing someone asked. Uh, Joe, if you don't mind reading. Sure. Uh, this one is from Dafied. Uh I don't know if I pronounce it right. If not, I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully this provides some content for the show. What is the best covenant for the Volpera based on their racial lore? In my view, Draenei and Dwarves go to Bastion. Trolls, including Zendalari. Tauren, including High Mountain. Kaltiran humans and Night Elves are best aligned with Ardenweld. Orcs and Dark Iron Dwarves go to Maldraxxus. Pandaren and Goblins go to Revendreth. Uh, I am a fox person, and I feel Ardenweld is exactly where I need to be. That's my personal opinion, because I am a tiny fox, and I go find other foxes. What about you guys? I I real I feel like the covenants are a lot more class specific than race specific. It feels like each of them has a theme which doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily about your race or heritage or culture. It's about what you do, what you have decided you are instead of what you were born as. That's just that's how I read it. And I think that's probably why like 90% of paladins are Kyrians. Fair enough, Matt. Do you have an opinion on that? Volpera are Zareth Mortis, and they're going to remake the entire universe. We're all going to be Volpera. They can't <laughs> be trusted. They have all the worst aspects of Worgen and all the worst aspects of gnomes. In fact, they're not really fox people at all. They're just gnomes who've been bitten by Worgen. Wake up, sheeple! Also, the sheeple are dangerous. Don't trust the sheeple. They're coming in the next expansion. Those guys are bad. I don't know. I, I, I feel like anybody should be anything. I just like the idea of having a chalkboard behind me with all my crazy rantings about how the gnome worgen Volpera, you know, conspiracy. How you know, how can they be horde if both gnomes and, and worgen are alliance? Aha, they're infiltrating and it just goes from there. I, I just like I said, I think that anybody should be anything. I I def think it's definitely one of the things I really liked about leveling through Shadowlands was the inconsistencies. And stuff that was like maddening. And I, I think I talked to Liz about this at one point that the Kyrian, it's like you, you're a cult. Your whole thing is about removing people can't make a, make a decision about something. If you take away their experiences, 
that's that's how you make decisions what you've experienced that's how you become a person you're literally making people lo- like lose all that and then they ha- they obviously they will become someone else because they have to and then that became a big part of the Kyrian story how yeah you know you were right that's a good reaction because this is messed up and the Kyrian realized hey wait a minute and that's one of the things that got me about the whole idea of none of the none of the eternal ones know who they were Remember that they show up in in yep. the Shadowlands and they, they don't know anything. It's almost as if they were forced to go through a process where everything they'd experienced before was purged from them. Perhaps in the hmm. creation of a universe. Ah, okay. Just just throwing that out there. It might very well be that the covenants were intended to be a, a means to educate not the people who went into them, but the Eternal Ones. That they were supposed to learn from their tasks. They were supposed to learn from what they were doing as they took over and ruled these dimensions, planes, whatever you want to call a Shadowland. And so I don't think that the Volpera, I think there's, there's, there's Volpera who would love Maldraxxus because they're, you know, the Volpera are scrappy AF. You, you go through that opening in, Vold, in Voldoon and yeah, the Volpera are down. They, they, may, they don't start fights, but they will finish them. They are scrappy. They are they are not to be trifled with. So there might be some Volpera that absolutely love Maldraxxus. There's some Volpera that would really fit in well in Ardenweald because the, you know it'd be like so lush and so green and so much what they never get to experience and always kind of want to. So yeah, I would totally see that for some of them. Revendreth, maybe you're a really good social climber and you like a place with parties and you know I can see that. And Revendreth's also got its sinister side and Volpera are a lot meaner than you think they are. Um, but there's no Volpera in in Bastion. No. no, I'm kidding. They could be Duchess. I'm just being a joke. But yeah, that's that's my take. All right. Uh, do we? I think we're at time. Unless there's anything else anybody wants to add. Yeah, I think we're at time. I don't think we have time to really go into why no Starcraft Blizzard more or what have you. Um. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, why don't you do the uh, your 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 spiel and then I'll do the outro. Absolutely. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And also, uh, we want to point out that there's going to be a pledge drive coming fairly soon, right, Liz? Uh, Yeah, we're going to do it right after Thanksgiving. So the Monday after Thanksgiving, we're going to start doing kind of a little patch and pledge drive. One of the things I wanted to mention is that in the past, people have have signed up for our Patreon and they've hit a certain tier. And myself or someone else wrote a little character backstory for you. Um, That is something that, you know, we could do. And it doesn't necessarily have to be for World of Warcraft. Yeah, whatever you're looking for. I am totally down for writing a character backstory for you. And Joe's expressed interest. And I know there are other people in the past who want to do it. So, you know, that that's a service we could provide. Uh, another possibility could be, you know, there's other stuff we could talk about. Uh, but keep in mind that, that, you know, Patreon's the means by which we bring you this show and all the other stuff we do. Um, it, it'd be really great if you could support us. It would make, a, it would make all the new content we're trying to do a lot easier. To, and I just wanted to make sure to mention that before we left. <sighs> well... This has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Um, I want to reiterate that we here at Blizzard Watch stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard in their drive to try and make it better, a more inclusive company. And, you know, guys, you know, you've been doing amazing in what you've been doing. So keep on up. It's, it's really necessary right now. Thank you, people, for listening with us. Uh, for, on behalf of Joe and Liz and myself, uh, thank you for being here. And we'll see you next week. 